Good evening, everybody. Welcome to the Nittany Lions Sports Report. It is live here on Bob Long Sports, housed on the Sports Stream Premium Network. Again, many thanks to Bruce Badgley and his crew over there for picking us up this year, getting some great tentacles into the central Pennsylvania market, in addition to what we do here in our Philadelphia studio. My name's Bob Long. Alongside me, as always, Tyler Gelhouse. And today, Tyler... For the first time in a few years, we come to you after week one talking about a Penn State victory and a hard-earned one at that, 16-10 to against Wisconsin on the road at Camp Randall Stadium. And now we start to look forward as we get to back to 107K strong at Beaver Stadium. They're going to take on Ball State. But, Tyler, before we get that far, so much to break down about this one. We're going to have Kurt Hoffman come on, a Ball State letterman who's going to talk to us about the Cardinals, about what's going on down in uh, Pinehurst, North Carolina. He's the starter at the beloved Cradle, which was designed by Gil Hans, less than 800 yards, par three course that's rejuvenated that result. So a lot coming to you tonight, but let's start and talk about Penn State, Sean Clifford, the emergence of Noah Kane, reemergence, and so much more as we break down a victory here on Tuesday. Yeah, what a, what a game it was. Uh, you know, the first half, uh, extremely frustrating, um, boring, you could say, 0-0. Uh, and honestly, it just felt like the type of game Wisconsin was just going to win because they were making more plays in the first half. Uh, but all the credit in the world, and I've been very, very difficult, as you know, on, on Brent Pry the last couple of years and making opposing quarterbacks, uh, whether it be Tanner Morgan, um, whoever, insert name here, um, look like all Americans, and they did the complete opposite with Graham Mertz, um, and and that's what won the game was Penn State's defense. Uh, the offense made just enough plays to win, but at the end of the day, it was the defense, and um, that was one of the best defensive performances I think I've ever seen um, from a Penn State defense. With um, you know what was on the table, ranked opponent week one after the season that we had injuries, ejection from Ellis Brooks. Um, suspended players that didn't make the trip, you know, that kind of thing. So gutsy performance, and to leave Madison 1-0, um, I always say an ugly win is is better than a pretty loss. So we'll take it. Absolutely, and it's one of those things where you've seen great performances in the past defensively. I think back to a couple of years ago when Penn State beat Michigan 42-13 to at home. Both teams were coming into that game on a high, and that was the game of the year at that point. Defense played fantastic, but it was the offense that kept giving them the opportunities and the offense that held the ball for some, some good periods of time in a game like that. The offense was giving Penn State nothing in this game, and the defense just continued to bail them out to the point where the offense had an opportunity to catch a little bit of fire in the second half, score a couple of touchdowns, and end up winning the game that way. Uh, but it's the defense hanging that game at 0-0 going into the half versus 10 or 14 nothing that really makes the difference. Sure, and, and, and look, the defense um, you know, didn't force the one fumble that uh, Nick Tarburton recovered. It was just a, a poor play on, on Mertz and the running back exchange. That stuff happens. Penn State, Penn State took care of the ball. Wisconsin did not. You know, Wisconsin dominated – plays they had 95 plays they dominated um time of possession um and here we are and the Penn State defense was absolutely gassed but they were still fighting all the way to the end all the way to that that drive when Wisconsin got the ball back and Jair Brown intercepted to seal the deal but I mean they just kept fighting and fighting and you know what that that's a culture a, a big culture win right there for the program um you know <laughs> Because the way last year started at Indiana, you almost got the sense that that was going to be very similar ending. And here we are, complete role reversal. And I'm just really excited to see where this type of win, you know, takes takes this team off from here. Especially when that extra point was missed by Jordan Stout. And that remains 16-10. Of course Wisconsin's going to win this game 17-16. There's course. almost no other way that the game right. can end at that point. But... Jair Brown got the last-minute interception, the big one on fourth and goal, Jaquan Brisker. And the three possessions or three plays defensively right on the goal right. line to get to that and, point. And even before that, uh, I believe it was a third down and maybe eight in Wisconsin, and Mertz had a beautiful pass to Danny Davis, and he caught it at the one. It was great coverage by yep. Castro Fields. And, you know, they get it two minutes, 
40 seconds, first and goal at the one. And then you're at the point, you're like, do you let them score? Now, I didn't think that, but I know the Joel Klatt made a joke about it after. Do you let them score, you know, get the ball back? And Wisconsin fumbled the first snap, yep. and that put them back seven yards. Penn State actually had a really good chance at recovering that, um, but it set up for the you know the heroics of Jaquan Brisker coming out of nowhere, really, um, and picking that ball off that was intended for Jake Ferguson there. Of course, we're moving forward and not talking about last year, but that let them score thing is very interesting because, of course, Devin Ford was allowed to score when it was 21-20, Indiana didn't have enough timeouts to stop the get the clock and an opportunity to get the ball back. They let him score. Ford takes it. That was a mistake. We've talked about that at length. And, of course, Indiana comes back, ties that game, wins in an overtime, controversial fashion. So funny you say that, Tyler. Funny that Joel Klatt said it because uh, whether or not they decided to employ that strategy didn't matter with that fumble on first down. But, yes, corollaries abound as to last year's opener, this time with a much different result in favor of the Nittany Lions. And another thing, another silver lining here that I think is pretty cool is, you know, Jaquan Brisker was a split second late getting to Michael Penix last year for the two-point conversion, air quotes, late. Um, and then and then yesterday, uh, Saturday, he was, you know, the reason they arguably won the game with his sure. with his interception. So really cool to see a guy that could have gone to the NFL draft would have been a mid-round draft pick. Come back, preseason All-American, getting hurt the whole game, yep. in and out, fighting on the sidelines on the bike, stationary bike to get back in there and make a play like that. And that, that that's a play that's going to go down in, in Penn State history, I would assume. So Absolutely. An unbelievable play uh, to really a really, really good game. Sloppy, but, you know, hopefully the offense clicks and defense looks awesome. Defense looks awesome. I think you said it with Brisker and Brown in the secondary. Great games. Brown should have come up with a second interception, but Jair Brown getting that sealer and everything that he and Brisker did, the Lackawanna connection was fantastic. Uh, moving up, secondary, you know, certainly Castro Fields and Joey Porter Jr. Um, and a mix of guys. Saw Daquan Hardy in the star role. Good. Really good. I, I mean, they all, they all made plays, um, and, you know, it was kind of quiet because – they weren't really throwing to the receivers much. Danny Davis had a pretty nice game, but Joey Porter on the third down before the interception came across, swatted the ball down. The guy was right there without his long arms. It probably gets through. Yep. Um, you know, just a bunch of – everybody on defense played solid. I can't say enough about Arnold Ebikete, mm. the transfer defensive end, the block kick, the field goal in the first half, huge – the the sack the sack that was a fumble the and tackle wasn't. for losses the quarterback hits unbelievable he even got hurt at one point was in the locker room came back um, and and another guy who I've been hard on over the years is Ellis Brooks uh, he was unbelievable until he got thrown out for the targeting penalty and yep. he'll miss the first half obviously of Ball State not really sure about that call it is what it is but Jesse Lucetta. Um, first game as a defensive end, and I thought he really looked good. really natural at that position. The tough thing with Ellis Brooks coming out, though, is you don't have enough depth at the linebacker position. He almost well, has well, to you, become you, your middle linebacker. Well, and that's the other thing, you know, as we talk about Ball State here a little bit, is um, and, and for the, the rest of that game was Penn State doesn't have the depth at defensive end either. You're right. Uh, so you, you had to take Lucetta really to play middle linebacker against Wisconsin – and then you're really just left with Tar Burton and Evacate, who yep. was banged up for the most part. And I guess that's why I kept thinking, all right, 95 plays, whatever, time of possession, these guys are dead. Now we're you lose Brooks. You, essentially, then you lose a defensive end, too, because yep. of that. And you're just like, is there enough in the tank? And they just kept fighting. I Honestly, it's it's extremely impressive. Yeah, some snaps for uh, your guy, Charlie Catch here. You talk about him a lot. He's had some injury yeah. issues. A yeah, guy it was that... good to see. He got a nice quarterback hit in there, too. Yeah. Um, and they're, they're going to need him. I mean, especially with Ellis Brooks, Ellis Brooks out. Not that he plays the middle, but you're, you're going to need depth. Injuries are going to happen. Targeting, unfortunately. Mm -hmm. I don't know if you saw the old Miss Louisville game last yeah. night. About like five targeting calls in the first half or whatever. So, a lot of uh, uneasiness and disappointment and anger related to these calls all i can tell you is when they released the updated set of rules and points of emphasis there was a continued point of emphasis and will be a continued point of emphasis on player safety on targeting uh and so that will continue 
to be the case. There is a lot of groundswell to just make it a 15-yard penalty, kind of like a flagrant one, a flagrant two in basketball. The flagrant two gets you ejected. I just think it's really tough in this age of college football and this age of football in general and player safety, all of which are good things, it's tough to roll something like that back and say, you know what, this player safety measure that we put into place, that's where that that's great. It's protecting players, but we're gonna roll back that penalty. I don't have I have no problem with protecting the players, obviously. The part that I don't well, actually, I'm gonna go back a little farther. I don't understand the fact that this play wasn't gonna be reviewed until Wisconsin called a timeout. Mm-hmm. I thought that was extremely strange. I can honestly say I've never seen that before where they're going to take a timeout and then, I guess, ask for it to be reviewed. So if they didn't take a timeout, Ellis Brooks, nothing happens. Yes, that is correct. I think that the right way to look at that is you see that hit in real time. That should be an automatic go to the booth and review. It was a fierce hit. Yeah, and, mean, he, and it was high, and 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 he and and Ellis he, Brooks did lead with his his right his shoulder, shoulder, but and, it, it gets tough because well, then there's helmet to helmet contact, and Merch lowers I, the head it, a little you, bit. You could, it's almost like holding. Like you could honestly review targeting. It would be a six hour game if you really wanted to dive that far. But there's I think a lot you, of plays I think you like know that. it when you see it, and that was one that they. Yeah, I actually don't think it was targeting. Oh, I, I and I get you, and I, right. I understand that, but something where. In the past, we've seen the booth review that a call like that. Yeah, you know what? The problem that I have with it is the inconsistency. I mean, I was watching the Ohio State Minnesota game on Thursday night, and to me, there was a blatant, absolutely targeting that much worse than wasn't this one. even called targeting. In fact, they overruled it and said that it was now a fumble too. Yep. So which was totally, a bad call. It was totally like whatever. But I, I really, you know, it's one thing for it happens in the second half. You're out the rest of the game. I'm glad the player can stay on the sideline. Send him to locker rooms, like a total punishment, in my opinion. Um, so, but the fact that now Ellis Brooks or anybody then has to sit out for the first half of the next game, it's just, it, it turns out to be literally a one game suspension, mm-hmm. more yeah. or less, when you really think about it. Sure. Oh, uh, that's exactly and what that's it's intended to be. When you have be. a 12 game season, that's, that's you know, one twelfth right there. It is. I, I, I don't think it's the right thing, but I just. Where I'm coming from, Tyler, is collegiate athletics, football in general. Um, there's already this idea that they're exploiting college football players. Now, NIL changes that a little bit. And you have a safety measure. I think the penalty is far too stiff. I'm just acknowledging the difficulty in rolling something like that back. That's all I'm trying to say is I think oh, yeah. it's going to be tough to see any type of change as much as we'd love to see it. But – Again, they'll be without Ellis Brooks first half against Ball State. And they State. they should be okay without him for the first half of that game. I would think so. Yep, twenty two point spread. We'll get into that in a few minutes. But I want to also talk- sorry real quick. Shout out to Ellis Brooks. It was probably the best three quarters of a game, call it a game for him that I've I've seen him play in his time here at Penn State. He has always been very anticipatory and understands where and when he needs to be. Uh, physicality was there in this particular game, and it was exciting to see. He Leadership up. is there. You can tell he's the leader of this defense, calling out the signals, smartest guy on the field. Mm-hmm. Love to see it because um, I did like Ellis I was Brooks I was pleasantly in. surprised with what I was seeing until he got thrown out. Yep. So. Yep. And they'll have – They'll have that asset over the course of the year. Again, defensive line, Mustafer, just just a rock and needs to con- continue to be so. Ebiquete, great. Uh, Tangelo, okay, in his first game out there. Want to see a little bit more from him. Luketa, great at the defensive end position. I'd I say Tar Burton did okay as well. Yep. He was Johnny on the spot, as Gus Johnson said, for the fumble recovery. Almost had a nice interception. Mm-hmm. Um, probably should have had it. Tough play for anybody, let alone a D lineman. Um, but he did some nice things. I think, you know, getting Hakeem Beeman back soon. I'm not sure what his status and reason for not traveling out there was, but that'd be nice. He can play a little bit end, a little bit inside. That'll go far away. Yep. So I thought the defense was again very, very good. Wisconsin. We talked a lot, or uh, information was fed to us about. Nah, this isn't going to be your grandfather's Wisconsin team. In many ways, it was uh, a lot of pulling athletic guards. A uh, good running back transferred in from Clemson, had a really nice day, and he had great vision. You know, it, it, it looked like Penn State was getting 
pressure or getting movement into the backfield, but they weren't getting the angles in all those cases. And the blockers did a great job wedging and creating openings for that running back. And Penn State did a great job bending but not breaking. And, again, excellent against the pass. Really, really good yeah, all day long. No big plays. Yeah. Even really through the running game, there were no – um, no huge plays. I mean, they maybe had one or two runs for about 20 to 25. Mm -hmm. But other than that, they held them in check. Agreed. Wisconsin has some questions to answer. Uh, I think they're going to have a tough season if they can't move the ball, but their defense is going to keep them in that a lot of games. defense is really good, especially yeah. that linebacker group. Remember, um, uh, and, so the and they coordinator were is, is Jim, Jim Leonard. Leonard right. Remember, this, the NFL mm -hmm. safety played a lot of years with the New York Jets. Yes, that's right. Um, but they actually uh, didn't have their probably – best linebacker or second best uh, Chanel um, for COVID reasons. Um, so that was a big break for Penn State that they found out about an hour before the game because, I mean, those linebackers were really good to, to begin with. Really and good. And then you take probably the best or second best out, and that, that helped Penn State a lot. Certainly did. So, yeah, Wisconsin questions to answer. Uh, fortunately for us, that's not exactly our focus tonight. But I, I think as you look in the West, Wisconsin, Iowa, Right off the bat, look like two teams that are going to be tough to beat. Maybe one of those two represents the West in Indy this year for the Big Ten Championship game. But, of course, we're worried about Penn State, and we're worried about the Big Ten East. Let's move it to the offense. Mike Yursich's first game as offensive coordinator, Tyler. The very first thing that jumped out to me, especially in the first half, was the lack of involvement from Noah Kane and really the running back core as a whole. We saw that change in the second half. Noah Kane, two Really big moves where they got the ball out to him in the passing game in the flat, and you got your playmaker into space against one defender. And at that point, scheme goes out the window. The athlete wins, and Kane did, won both of those huge plays for Penn State. Did his long, maybe not the long run, but the little catch on a third down where he was short of the line of scrimmage, or the first down mark was like third and four, made a guy miss, put his foot in the ground, cut back. Yep. That remind me of Saquon at uh, Iowa a little bit that – uh, no, it didn't. Not at all. Really? That's <laughs> no. the first thing I thought of. No. Okay. Well, no, that's what was, I thought of. <laughs> no. That's exactly what Saquon was doing in that game, the whole game. It was. This was, this was um, two plays right here. That was a wonderful play. Yeah. Saquon is a different animal than I'm Noah not Kane. saying that they're the same, but those two plays were very, like, yeah. reminded me of him in that game. Well, listen. I'm not comparing the two at all. Of course. Yeah, no. Uh, but – when Mike Yersich came in, right, the thought was we're going to get the ball out quick. We're going to get it to our playmakers. That includes the running back. Put him in space. And, again, football guys, they'll talk about this. If you get a guy into space one-on-one -on -one against a defender, then you as the offensive coordinator or the quarterback, you've done your job, and now you put the ball in the hands of that playmaker. Scheme has won. Now it comes down to the athlete. And, and Kane was good enough to win those. Yeah, and, and you know, I think that that's – really the good uh, halftime adjustments Yersich made because um, the first half, I mean, Clifford looked lost. The line, they were running crazy stunts. The yeah. Wisconsin defense had trouble picking it up. Happy feet, locking in on receivers, um, and you're just kind of like, what's this is the same thing that we've seen the last year and a half, two years or whatever. Um, and then he made a big adjustment with getting the running game going outside. Yep. And and that's and, and Penn State did not have a successful day on offense really at all, let alone, you know, running the ball. But that, that simple adjustment of getting the speed and the guy running back outside right. really opened some things up because Wisconsin was loading the box there and it was really too much to handle for the Penn State line. Um you know, I would have liked to seen some more quick hitters as the day went on, but again, the two most explosive plays were the long passes of Dotson. So Right. And that outside run that you're talking about, maybe we can do a, a whiteboard when we get that thing up and hanging <laughs> again here in the studio, uh, our blitz segment. But zone blocking schemes versus you're in between the tackles, right? Maybe you're pulling a guard. Maybe you're just taking care of your gap. A zone blocking scheme, scheme gets the boundary into play a lot more. And the difference between that is you're picking up your guy in more of a power look where you're bringing somebody pulling. That's power bringing the left guard over to the right spot and overloading there to take on the second-level linebacker. That's you know that's power. Then there's just traditional blocking schemes where you're picking up A-gap, B-gap, right? You're taking care of the guy right in front of you. Zone is you're moving 
your line your linemen from side to side and they're responsible for a portion of the field and and that's what they did really well in the second half with Noah Kane there the ability to get your linemen moving get Noah Kane moving to the outside and you're blocking an area and you're trusting the instincts of your running back to pick the time to cut in or just take it to the boundary Noah Kane's really good at that the one thing is he's not the fastest guy in the world so I'm in some ways, a little bit surprised that it was as successful as it was. Mm-hmm. Um, but his intelligence and his ability to pick the right spot, kind of like Levy. Again, now we're r- comparing running backs that are like all world, right? The Le'Veon Bell type of patience. That's what you see sometimes when you get into zone blocking schemes and, and what types of running back can be really successful. Yeah, I mean, I, I, I couldn't agree with you with you more on that. And I think, too, the offensive line stepped up more. In, uh, the offense collectively uh you know 16 points isn't really going to win you many games this one it did and in large part to your defense but the halftime adjustments made were really really good by the staff and I think that going up against a defense like that an environment like that in in the first week of the season you might have another environment or two that are tough like Camp Randall Kinnick Stadium Ohio Stadium but I don't think you're going to go up against a tougher defense than in Wisconsin. Yeah. I I don't disagree. I think it's a great win. I really it re- do. It really is and it, it was ugly, but like I said an ugly win is better than a pretty loss. Yeah. And that does not mean by the way, don't mistake my words or Tyler's that the offense has figured things out because they they have not. There's right. a lot that they still need to and, figure out. And we we, you know, not just me and you but Usually that takes a little bit to get going. Sure. Uh, the offense, especially new offensive coordinator, um, that usually takes a while to get going. The defense, I didn't think they'd be that far advanced at this point in time. Um, you know, hopefully they can keep playing at that level. Um, but yeah, I mean, it was like you said, or like I said earlier, zero turnovers. That's that's Cures actually the turnover battle to be plus three like that. I mean, considering you didn't really out. I don't think he had more yards than them and the time of possession, but the turnover battle. So if you were to turn on a Wisconsin beat podcast right now, that is exactly what they'd be saying. And that is exactly what Penn State was saying against Indiana last year. Mm-hmm. Again, we keep talking about the parallels. Right. Uh, Penn State was the Indiana of this game. And Wisconsin was the Penn State of last year's game. And that's not to say – I mean, Penn State, I think, outmanned Indiana a little bit more last year than Wisconsin did Penn State. This, in my mind, was a toss-up going in. However, Wisconsin moved the ball better. Wisconsin had more scoring opportunities. Wisconsin, their quarterback... Oh, my God, he let them down. I mean, that was brutal. And so if you're turning on a Wisconsin podcast, they're saying the only reason we did not win that game, we being Wisconsin, is that... They turn the ball over. And they are correct, by the way. Four turnovers in the red zone. They are correct. Animus field goal. A blocked field. Right. I mean, that's big-time points, but I'm not complaining, and I know you're not. No. No, of <laughs> course not. And Penn State deserved a lot of what they got. I just think if they turn the ball over one or two less times, maybe the game – maybe it goes to overtime. Absolutely. Or maybe Wisconsin wins. And uh, that is going to be the key. We talked about it with Sean Clifford. His misses need to be outside and to the turf, not inside and high. They were inside and high last year, and they resulted in a ton of interceptions, and the turnover battle was lost badly. I mean, it's the only reason they lost that Nebraska game, for example. But I need to heed my own advice. We are not talking about last year. Uh, the Nittany Lions win a big one against Wisconsin, 16-10. to Let's talk about the wide receivers only because we t- teased it and talked a lot about it in our projection of the depth chart show last week. We saw a lot of Parker Washington. We saw a lot of Jahan Dotson. We saw a lot of Keandre Lambert-Smith. I believe they were the only receivers that were actually targeted. We did see um, your LaSalle buddy, Winston Eubanks. He was in there for a little bit. Wasn't targeted, but did get some run along with Cam Sullivan-Brown. Uh, I believe they were the only five wide receivers to get snaps. Could be wrong, but um, each of those guys made a couple of plays, I thought. Keandre Lambert Smith grew up a little bit in that in that um, forty or so yard reception. He had a second and maybe six or so that he dropped. He took his eyes off of it in the fourth quarter. There that was would a have been big, a first down, big drop. It didn't hurt him. Didn't hurt him. You're but right. Could have, and it was a big drop. But Strange you know, ended up having. And we'll get to tight end. Strange had a uh, 
pretty bad drop as well. And then T- Kane, a the really very tough catch. Tough catch. I thought he should have made it. Should have made it. I have high standards for the tight ends there. Um, should have made it. Not the easiest catch in the world, but. But yeah. then the very next play, Noah Kane gets it down. To the exactly. Same yard so line. those two didn't. Those two drops didn't hurt them. Um, but I mean that what you saw from the wide receiver group. I, I think you're gonna pretty much see that kind of game every week. Um, and Dotson, I mean, I think he had maybe five or six for a buck, a buck two and touchdown. And he could have even had more. He was overthrown on the one. Would have been another 60-yard touchdown or so. And he was getting past that defense in the second half like it was nobody's business. I mean, they weren't even close to him. Yep. Well, and that's back to that game at the line of scrimmage and getting the running backs involved. The more you run the ball – the more successful you are, the more you have to creep that strong safety up. Exactly, and that's why I'm very optimistic about this offense still because they weren't even Penn State wasn't even able to run the ball, and Sean Clifford was able to make some throws. Um, sure, I'm, you know they're 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 going to put an emphasis on getting this ground game going, and that's going to open it up so much more for Clifford and Yurcich. And I think, I think you give it a couple more weeks here, um, probably by the end of the month, and it's really going to start to click. This is the Nittany Lions Sports Report. It's live here on Bob Long Sports, housed on the Sports Stream Premium Network. So, Tyler, as we move past this Wisconsin game, let's talk for just a few minutes about what comes up next. Four straight games at Beaver Stadium. Ball State comes up, a conference winner last year, a team that won by 10 just last week in their opening game. Maybe not quite as strong as we expected Ball State to look, though. And uh, I think a game that sets up really well for Penn State. The betting line is at 22. The week after that, Auburn at home, the whiteout. Then Villanova Uh-oh. comes to town. Oh, boy. Whiteout 2.0. There you go, baby. <laughs> the Wildcats, longtime inter, uh, interstate rivals. Come on. We've been talking about Villanova-Penn State for years. I wasn't specific enough. I wanted a basketball matchup. <laughs> yeah, yeah, right. <laughs> Not a football matchup. That would be pretty fun, little back-to-back, but it would have to be later in the season. The schedules just don't really yeah. allow for that, but that would be cool. It would be cool if they could do both in cons. I wasn't <laughs> even thinking about that. but um, I, I, And then, not to cut you off, but then that, that cuts out September, and then the yep. fourth game is Indiana yep. at home October 2nd who looked absolutely dreadful against Iowa. I I really I'm with you. I like the way this sets up. A lot of people were, wow, we'll wait and see what happens out in Madison. Uh you know, even if they lose but they look good, you know, that's it. they won. They look good for the most part. Um obviously we just talked about that. Um man, if 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 they don't win all four of these home I'd be shocked if they don't win every single one of these home games you'd be shocked if I they really didn't beat would. Auburn huh I, I, I would be I mean I, re- I, I really would be I don't think Auburn is that good um, now granted they're they're a good SEC team they um, I think they had Akron last week can't remember who they or they had Akron this week whoever but this is going to be their first real test new coach coming into the a whiteout, seven thirty next week. Tough environment, and I—I I mean, the the fans are going to be juiced up. And I—I I don't see a letdown game. Of course, we haven't seen Penn State play Ball State. We don't know who's going to be healthy and and all that. But I'm feeling really good right now um, about this Penn State team. I thought Indiana was going to be a tough game this year. I'm not so sure that's going to be the case, um, or as tough as we had thought at one point. I'm looking right now as the next. Really tough matchup. Obviously, Auburn's going to be a tough matchup, but that Iowa game uh, in early October after Indiana is yep. the one I circle as a possible loss Sure. at this point. I would not be shocked if Penn State lost to Auburn uh, in that game. I just think Auburn and the SEC, they've acquitted themselves very well thus far. I know they don't speak for the entire conference, but you have a – Power five program, a team you don't play very often, a team being tested, you know, that they will be tested at the highest level at the SEC level. You have an experienced quarterback. I don't think that's an easy game, and I don't think Penn State's offense gave me any sense that any game uh, against a power five opponent is definitely going to be a a walkover. So I think uh, there's definitely reason to show up, and, and I would not be shocked if they lost that game. I would be shocked, however, 
if something happened uh, not according to plan against Ball State. I think this one's a win this weekend, but I think it's a nice matchup against a team that can play from the it, group of five. It's right. a nice 3.30, certainly can't let up, or you could have an issue here. Think back to 2018 against Appalachian State. Mm-hmm. I mean, My bachelor party. That's right. That, I mean, this team is returning more seniors and or super seniors because of the, the COVID year than any other program. I mean, they, they bring back almost all their starters, um, which I think it's I think it's great for Penn State because, yeah, you, you should win the game, but you're also going to be tested. And that's that's what you're looking for yeah. right now. Um, and let's be real, that 31-21 win against Western Illinois, uh, you talk about not a trap game for Penn State looking ahead to Auburn. I mean, that's Ball State looking ahead to Penn State. They're going to be ready to go. Make no yeah, mistake about absolutely. it. Absolutely. They're a good team. Yep. And I think it's going to be really tough. I think the 3.30 start on Fox Sports, it's a nice profile game for Penn State. Perfect time to watch some college football. We're, Bob Long Sports, we, are going to be coming off the field as uh, LaSalle takes on Imhotep in a high school football game in Philadelphia. That's the game of the of the weekend across the state. Imhotep, Keon Wiley, Penn State football recruit, Eni White, who's not going to end up coming to Penn State but was on their radar for a period of time. Now he's looking at the Alabamas and the Ohio States of the world. Um, but that should be a great game there. They've beaten DeMatha Catholic, mm-hmm. who everybody seems to know very well, and Pittsburgh Central Catholic, who our folks on the western side of the state will know well. So that's Imhotep's resume. They're taking on LaSalle. We're doing a college game day special, by the way. That'll be neat. At 11.30 in the morning, right in front of Springfield High School, expecting at least 100 LaSalle students there with signs in hand. And so check that out on Bob Long Sports. But a perfect afternoon. Tune into what we got going at 1, LaSalle, Imhotep. Yeah. And then Penn State, Ball State at 3.30. Pretty cool, too. I mean, there's a Penn State commit on each team. Imhotep yes. with uh, Keon Wiley, LaSalle with Abdul Carter, um, and, you know, LaSalle's got a really good running back in Sam Brown who's going to Rutgers. Um, so it should be a really good, entertaining game. Um, and if, if you're a Penn State fan and you're in the area and you're looking for um, something good to watch before Penn State plays Ball State, head on over to Springfield. Yep, no doubt about that. So that's the story here from at least the way we see it. Penn State, huge win against Wisconsin. Yes, things to learn, but these are the types of wins that you need if you want to string together a season, Penn State has won in the right direction. Uh, maybe not quite as impressed as you were, Tyler, with Sean Clifford. I think a lot of lot of improvement still needed there, but uh, kept his wits about him. I think that throw to Jahan Dotson was a great, great example of him moving his feet. Noah Kane got a nice little block there yeah. to take care of a defender for at least a period of time. Eyes downfield, Jahan Dotson outran the safety. Uh, that's a great throw. Yep. There were some issues early in the game. And he had jitters, and and we've seen that before. That's not good. No, it's not. And not I, an excuse. I was I was certainly surprised that he didn't turn the ball over at all. Yeah. I really was at the end of the day. Yep. So his misses a lot of times were in the right spot, mm-hmm. and last year they were not. But there were a couple balls that he threw in the first half that easily could have been well, picked. Well, and up. that's true too. Yeah. I I look. I can only hope that I'm not going to say he's turned a corner because he didn't look phenomenal or anything like that but if he can keep if he cannot turn the ball over I think that goes a far way yes but he's still gonna have to make plays you can't just be a game manager yes you still have to make make plays I do want to see them continue to utilize guys like Noah Kane in the flat the running backs uh tight ends getting them involved as well Easy passes yeah there really weren't many easy throws that they had him set up for early in the game but I appreciate him seeing the mismatches seeing the things down the field, waiting long enough to see those plays develop, right? I mean, it, it mm-hmm. takes a while for Dotson to get off the line, get 15 to 25 yards down the field, and then find himself open. Right. So you, you can't have happy feet. You can't be necessarily needing to get the ball out that quickly at all times. On those throws, I think he did a decent job. Mm-hmm. And so that, at least kind of <laughs> uh, starting from that, I guess, that way to look at it is, hey, there were some times – three or four really good throws down the field where he waited for that play to develop. And uh, that's something that potentially we're looking on and to build on. I agree. And I think it's, he is just going to be talked about for better or worse after, after every game, I think um, just because 
we really don't know what we're going to get with him week to week, and I think that's just where Penn State and the fan base is. It's Well, it depends what Clifford's going to do. And a lot of times that's going to be right, and, you know, that's just how we're going to have to live and die. Put that on repeat. We'll be talking about that just about every week. So we'll take a break. We'll come back. We have a very special guest picker here tonight, Kurt Hoffman, Ball State letterman and former minor league baseball general manager and now current starter at the cradle. If you want to play the cradle, you're going to have to talk to Kirk, uh, our buddy Kurt Hoffman. He is uh, the man down there in Piners, North Carolina. We met while I was down there earlier this year, became good friends, figured out he was a Ball State guy. We've been talking about this game for a while. So we'll address that next here on the Nittany Lions Sports Report, and then we'll get Tyler and my picks as well. Dunphy Ford is Mayfair's neighborhood Ford store. Nobody knows your neighborhood like Dunphy Ford. Nearly 40 years. Right here on Frankfurt Avenue. Generation after generation, our neighbors continue to be our customers. We have access to the cars and trucks you want with financing you need. Dunphy Ford is Northeast Philly's first choice for America's number one brand. 7700 Frankfurt Avenue in Mayfair. Online at www.dumpyford.com. Come experience the Dunphy difference. You'll be glad you did. We're now excited to welcome to the Nittany Lions Sports Report a Ball State football alum, Kurt Hoffman. Kurt, welcome hey. to the show. Thanks for being here today. Yeah, good morning. Nice to be talking to you from Pinehurst, North Carolina, where it's a gorgeous morning. A lot of golfers were setting records down here for, uh, for rounds of golf every day. Yeah, that's right, and we'll get into a lot of that. Uh, the story goes well beyond your time at Ball State, though you did play football at Ball State. You were up there for a reunion last week. And yes, now you are working at Pinehurst Resort, one of my personal favorite places to go play golf to get away for a weekend. And uh, you are the starter at the beloved Cradle. 700 plus yards, nine holes, a par three course that has really uh, rejuvenated the resort, which didn't really need much rejuvenating, of course. But what a great place the cradle is. Could you tell us a little bit about your job there? Yeah, well, the, the, we, we, um, the, the administration here at the resort decided back in 2016 that um, if they wanted to remain as one of the premier uh, resort destinations in the world, they needed something like this. And so they brought in Gil Hodge, uh, the gentleman who uh, did the Olympic course down in uh, Rio in 2016. And uh, we designed a nine-hole um, par three course that's been just a tremendous hit, uh, far more than anybody could have realized. We opened it in September of 2017. And I've I've been here. I was there for the opening, and I'm still here now. We're doing probably a hundred thousand rounds uh, a year here, which is a lot of golf. <laughs> that is a lot of golf. That's fantastic. How did you get into that? Well, it, it's just you know my career was um, uh, from Ball State in the mid '60s. I started teaching in New York. Um, coaching football, coaching lacrosse. And um, for 15 years or so, I, I did that in the suburb of New York City, uh, same county that I grew up in, Westchester County, which is just north of the city. And um, in 1981, I got an opportunity to um, work for the Texas Rangers. So I left teaching, and... Um, I was the general manager for their Florida State League team in uh, Daytona Beach, Florida. Um, that was that was a great time in Daytona. The eighties were rocking, so to speak. <laughs> but uh, I met a young lady down there, and um, and we married and moved back to New York, uh, where I this time uh, taught in the Catskill Mountains, which is about three and a half hours north of New York City wonderful little uh, community of about 6,000 people. It looked like it came right off a uh, Norman Rockwell uh, painting. And I coached baseball up there. They didn't have football. The school was too small. Uh, I coached baseball in the spring, and in the wintertime, I was the alpine ski coach. Uh, 
and and that gig up there lasted another 15 years. So 30 years in in New York, I retired only to be pressed back into action in Charleston, South Carolina as the athletic director and women's fast-pitch softball coach, as well as, as teaching advanced placement history and advanced placement psychology. Uh, so Charleston, South Carolina lasted another 15 years. So 45 years in, it was time to call it a day and come up here and uh, buy a home in Pinehurst uh, where my youngest daughter and her family live. And um, as much as I love Charleston, you don't keep your grandchildren or front grandma. <laughs> my <laughs> wife wanted to be close. And it's a great gig. I came here just at the right time. They were bulldozing acreage to to put what is now the cradle in. And I've been here ever since. As you well know, we've played around. <laughs> yes, yes, we have. We have the opportunity to play together. Uh, yeah. we'll the cradle in just a second. But some of our Penn State fans, I'm sure, are also baseball fans. So minor league baseball and running a minor league club. If you could share a story or two about that, <laughs> be emblematic or give folks a, a little Well, more. you know, I, I was tutored by a, a great mentor. Um, his name was um, uh, Chuck. I can't think of his last name now. Gosh. Um, he was a former uh, general manager of the Evansville AAA team, and he had retired. He was actually, a, I think, a staff sergeant in the, in the uh, Army before he got into baseball. But um, he, was, he was the man that taught me everything about how to run a, run a minor league club. Great guy. Um, it was. It's, it's just a great job. In the in the off season, you're talking to all the sponsors, all the people, businesses that you see out on those outfield walls. You're selling space in the program that's going to be sold throughout the season. Uh, you're setting up those those dates that everybody loves in minor league baseball: bobblehead day, bat day, glove day, helmet day. You know, the way that works is you you work with um, local businesses. For instance, we do business with the local McDonald's, which was owned by one group. And so um, they would underwrite the cost of the bobblehead or the helmet. And then uh, we would give them literally thousands of tickets, and then they would, uh, they would use them at their restaurants. You know, you come in, buy something at McDonald's, and you get two tickets to the game. You know, things like that. And we did that with all sorts of business. Um, and the, the ball players were sent to us by the, the major league club. And as a matter of fact, in 1985, I had a, a combination of Baltimore Orioles and, and Texas Rangers personnel. Um, had young Bill Ripken, uh, who, who was who was uh, always a, a challenge to make sure that he was in bed at curfew. But uh, it, it, it was just, a, you know, they play the Florida State League is probably the premier, still is, the premier single-A league in the country. Uh, the big clubs love to have their best players there because they're playing in the very best facility for single-A ball. They're, the, home, the home stadiums in the Florida of the Florida State League are the spring training sites. It's where the big clubs play their their grapefruit league games, and so the facilities are tremendous, and um, and the Florida fans get to see great games in, in just wonderful uh, stadiums. So it was it was a lot of fun. It was a lot of fun. I wanted to get back to teaching and coaching, but certainly it was it was just a great experience for me. Yeah, so that's that's it in a nutshell. Uh, I, I appreciate that. That's good uh, good intel for folks that are interested in minor league baseball. It's a unique racket for sure. Now I know you have to get to your shift at the cradle coming up here, so we'll get one quick one on the cradle, and then we'll pick some football games if you have just a couple minutes. But tell us yeah. about the cradle, about Pinehurst, um, and and anything that. Uh, avid Penn State fans that might also be avid golfers might want to know. Yeah. That well, little... listen, 
Yeah, I'm happy to do that for you. The, the resort, of course, is is world renowned. We actually have, including the cradle, we have ten courses to pick from down here. Um, if you come uh, and stay at the resort, okay, we have uh, a menu of golf courses that are unsurpassed. Um, the famous number two, of course, where the U.S. Open is played. Uh, number four, which was the course that Gil Hans redesigned after he finished the cradle. Uh, we, we had that back open with his design in 2018. But we have uh, designers like Maples, uh, Jack Nicklaus, uh, Fazio. I mean, all the, all the great designers have at one point worked on Pinehurst courses. And, you know, you're staying at just historic old hotels. The Carolina is just gorgeous, just gorgeous. 1895, followed by the Holly Inn, which was right around the turn of the century also, and the Banner Inn. Uh, and there's even condos and villas that you can all book through the resort and play any one of those 10 courses, including number two. Uh, so it's a wonderful golf experience for all of you, your, your listeners and your and your Penn State people. Uh, we'd love to have you come down and, and experience what Pioneers has to offer. That's great. That's great. I'd highly recommend it, too. As a guy who's been down there, yeah. he plans to go back again. Yeah, <laughs> and we're oh, looking ahead. forward to having you and your wife back. Yeah, well, let's talk Ball State football. <laughs> absolutely. Tell me about Ball State. Well, you're Ball, a, yeah. you're veteran. Yeah. You were up there. Yeah. What I was, did you I, I was just on campus. I was just on campus um, uh, last uh, Monday through Wednesday, actually. I watched the football team work out just a couple days before they opened their season last Thursday night. Against um, against I believe it was Western Illinois, and they won thirty-one twenty-one. But I expected more from them. Um, they, I thought I saw early on, uh, over the um, months before that they were ranked up in the top thirty. Although I didn't see that recently, um, so I'm not sure where they where they ended up in the preseason rankings, but. Um, they handled Western Illinois, I guess, uh, pretty easily. But um, the problem that I see playing Penn State is their their depth. You know, I think they'll give I think they'll give the Nittany Lions a run for their money in the first half. Um, the second half is going to probably be problematic. Uh, I, I think they'll get worn down a little bit. But uh, it could be a very good ball game. I'll tell you. I see the betting line is uh, 22.5. So, mm-hmm. I, I'm, uh, you and I have a bet here for golf in Pinehurst. So, I'm hoping that uh, they, they uh, the Ball State Cardinals cover that spread. <laughs> right. We shall see. It should be fun. Yeah, we, shall, we shall see. Right. It should be fun to watch. Let's make a couple quick picks and then get you out of here. Uh, All right. You got it. Five games, and then the Penn State game. Penn State game is always against the spread. So, the other five are going to be straight up. Let's start with Oregon against Ohio State, the Buckeyes. Yeah. Yeah. I, I, if I saw correctly, I think Ohio State's about a 14-point favorite. I'm going to go with Ohio State. I, I think it'll be a good ball game, but I think Ohio State will, will win. Strong team. They are fantastic. C.J. Stroud playing well at quarterback, replacing yeah. Fields. How about the Battle of Iowa, an old-time interconference rivalry, Iowa State against the Hawkeyes? That's a good game. I don't know. What's the spread on it? Do you know? Yeah, I got it as uh, it says Iowa plus three and a half. Iowa State's ranked in the top ten, but Iowa yeah. played fantastic last week against Indiana. Yeah. I think this is – yeah, I know. I know. I think Iowa State's going to pull it off. Iowa State. And then we're going to go another interconference, um, NC State from the ACC. Against oh, no, right up the road from here. That's right. right. Mississippi State, Starkville. Ah, 
You know, I, I haven't read a lot uh, coming out of Raleigh for, from the NC State program, but listen, I'm a I'm a I'm a transplanted Tar Heel, so I got to go with North Carolina State. There you go. Okay, North Carolina State it is, and then we'll go um, more out of conference. Texas, the Longhorns against mm-hmm. Arkansas. So some changes on both sides of those yes. coming into this yeah, year. Right. What's the spread say on that one? Got Texas minus six. Yeah, well, I'll take the Longhorns. <laughs> the Longhorns. All right. Brand new coaching staff down there. Sharkey. Yeah. Right. Playing a team he saw in years past as the offensive coordinator of Alabama. Kurt has the Longhorns. And then we're going to go Washington. Plus five and a half at Michigan. Two programs that are uh, <laughs> that's uh, <laughs> Michigan looked pretty good last week, huh? Um, I I don't remember who they played. It wasn't much of a game, right? They sort of ran over them. Um, I'll take Michigan. I'll go with them. I usually don't. I like to bet against Michigan, but I'll take them for this week. <laughs> that sounds like. And then finally, it's our big game: Ball State against Penn State. We'll give you that spread of twenty-two and a half. Yeah. Big game, think, at least for us. I think I don't think the Cindy Lions are going to cover. I think that I think it's Penn State, but less than the spread. Um, I'm thinking maybe um, uh, Penn State by about mm, fifteen, maybe maybe two touchdowns. Yeah. Okay. Hey, that's. Doing your lesson duty, taking the team <laughs> against the spread. That's great. That's great. Yeah, yeah. But I'm, I'm, it'll be an interesting game for sure. I'll be up in New York at a another reunion of sorts of my uh, championship lacrosse teams from 1975 and 1978. So okay. I'll be up in the Hudson Valley at a at a party in Rhinebeck, New York, when uh, when the game comes on at uh, at 3.30. I saw us being televised by Fox 1, so I'm going to try and, and get some sort of electronic uh, device to get the game to me while I'm sitting there at the party. <laughs> That's great. Well, enjoy that. Good luck getting that game up on the phone. And thanks so much for taking a couple minutes with us on the Nittany Lion Sports Report prior to your shift at the Cradle. And again, go visit Kurt at the Cradle. And when you get down there, tell him that Bob Long Sports sent you. He'll be happy to take you. <laughs> Yeah, absolutely. Always always good to see Bob Law and people down here. <laughs> Appreciate that, Kurt. All right, Bob. Listen, buddy, take care, and I'm looking forward to seeing you. And we'll talk after the game. <laughs> see, you know we will. See if uh, Penn State covered the spread. <laughs> <laughs> you know it, Kurt. All right, be good. All right, Bob. Take care. And thanks again to Kurt Hoffman. It was great to have him on the show, hear his story, and Yeah, he's a Ball State guy. We let him on the podcast just this time. But now time for us, Tyler, to make our picks. Same games. I'll let you read them off, and we can go from there. All right, Bob. um, You want me to read all of them or go one at a time here? Yeah, let's go one by one. All right, one by one. um, We have an interesting big noon matchup. uh, Pac-12, Oregon Ducks, cross country to Ohio State. Should be an interesting matchup. Oregon does, doesn't look like that their star player, Kayvon Thibodeau, is going to be going big-time defensive end, likely top-five pick. Uh, hurt, his, hurt his leg um, in their opener. But anyway, the Ducks against the Buckeyes. Yep, Ohio State. Ohio State is the class, potentially, of college football right now. We saw Clemson take a big step back offensively. We have not yet seen that with Ohio State. They played a decent team in Minnesota, and I mm-hmm. think they acquitted themselves well. Problem there is defense, as we saw. Minnesota scored too many points, something I'm looking out for, but it's not going to be the difference in this one, Ohio State. Yeah, I think that if Thibodeau was playing, it would be a much closer game. Uh, I I like Ohio State, especially at home, Um, but I I do like the Buckeyes. Their offense looks pretty good right now. Defense still has some question marks, uh, but I like the Buckeyes to win here against Oregon. Um, we're going to stay in the Big Ten a little bit here. Um, Iowa, with a huge win over Indiana, looked very convincing, looked dominating at all points. Um, you know, special teams, 
defense, offense. Um, the Cyhawk, they travel to Ames, Iowa. Uh, college game day will be there. They take on the Cyclones of Iowa State in a big in-state rivalry. Yeah, I saw the spread on this one. Iowa plus three and a half. Can't say I understand that. I know that Ohio uh, Iowa State was thought of and is ranked very highly. They didn't look good. Iowa looked really good. Give me the Hawkeyes on the road, and I know that's a tough thing, but I like Iowa to win this game representing the Big Ten. Yeah, it is kind of a goofy spread, and that's telling me something, and I'm, I'm going to go Iowa State. I think that they were overlooking uh, Northern Iowa, um, and I think just last year Iowa State – lost to like Arkansas State or something like that early in the year. I don't know if they just don't play well against these um, group of five teams, but they have to be ready this week. I think they will be ready. They have uh, Brees Hall at running back, Brock Purdy at quarterback. Um, I think they start clicking, and I think they win in a really exciting game in Iowa. Yeah, Tyler going with the smart money there. That's, that's for sure. There we go. Um, next, we have NC State at Mississippi State. Interesting game, for sure. I'm going to go Mississippi State. Uh, I don't think either team is great. I think both teams are decent. Um, I'm going to go with Mississippi State strictly on home field advantage. I'm right there with you. Home field advantage and uh, Mike Leach, the crazy pirate or whatever they call him. I don't know. I know more about Mississippi (laughs) State than I do about NC State, so I'll go with the Bulldogs. Okay. Uh, we have an interesting night game, uh, 7 o'clock. The Longhorns of Texas travel to the Razorbacks to take on Arkansas. Yeah, I'm going to take Texas in this one. I think this is another game where home field advantage could easily make the difference. Texas, 20-point win over Louisiana. I'm not sure what to take out of that game, but I think they're going to find a way under Sark to get a victory. I would probably take the points. Uh, I would take Arkansas if we were taking it against the spread. But I am going to take Texas to win this game. Call it a one-possession game one way or the other. Yeah, I like Texas too, um, mainly because I saw them play a little bit this week and I didn't see Arkansas. That's literally my only reasoning. <laughs> and I thought Louisiana was going to beat Texas. And, you know, Texas came out one by 20. Yeah. For that reason, I'm not going to let the horns fool me again. I'll go Texas. Uh, the night game on ABC – uh, Washington coming off of incredibly, incredibly, I guess you could say embarrassing defeat embarrassing. against Montana, 13-7 at home, preseason top 20 team. Um, now they have to travel to the big house to take on Michigan, who looked pretty good against Western Michigan, I think uh, better than some people thought they would look. So um, Washington Huskies at Michigan. I am taking Michigan here. I don't think this is a world-beating Wolverines team. Uh, Washington loses that game. It is possible that they find something within themselves and come back and win this game. I don't see it this time around, though. Michigan to win this game in the big house. Uh, yeah, I'm right there with you again. Um, and, and the reasoning is the same, so I'm not even going to say it again, but I got Michigan as well. Um, and, and finally, we have uh, Penn State, Ball State, 330 FS1, Penn State, 22-point favorites as of right now. Bob, give us your score, and then obviously that'll go if Penn State covers or not. Yeah, I like uh, I do like Ball State to cover in this game, and I think it's going to be, let's call it 28-14 Penn State. Uh, I think Clifford does get off to a little bit of a slow start again. I am not confident in this team to score enough points to beat somebody, a team that I think is pretty decent by three touchdowns, three-plus touchdowns. So I got Ball State, and I think pretty comfortably under the spread. I think this has a chance to be a tight game. Maybe it's a, when I say 28-14, maybe I think it's a late score for Penn State to put it away at at, uh, 14. But I believe there's every reason to watch this game into the fourth quarter. I'm right there with you again. I mean, all of our picks are kind of similar here between the three of us. There's not much separation. Waiting on Iowa Um, State-Iowa. Yeah, and... uh, but I'm going to go Ball State to cover. I like Penn State 34-17. to um, I think this is a little bit of a trap game um, in the sense that you're coming off a huge win. Might be looking ahead to the whiteout a little bit against Auburn. Uh, and Ball State is no slouch. Um, I do not think Penn State will lose a game. I just think it'll be closer than a 22-point spread indicates as of right now. Yep, 
I'm right there with you. Uh, Ball State, I, I, I'm not one to find the arbitrage in Vegas lines, but Ball State didn't play as well last week, I think, as maybe folks anticipated. But you talked about all that talent coming back, or at least that continuity, if nothing else, with all those starters on a good team from last year. This is their Super Bowl big game. They're going to find a way to stay tight for a while. Absolutely, and I think it's going to be a great atmosphere up there too, a year without fans at Beaver Stadium. Uh, this will be a nice little tune-up, uh, get everybody's vocal cords back and ready for, for the following week when the Auburn Tigers come to town. Looking forward to that, and like we said on the whiteboard here, exactly what you mentioned there, Tiger, Tyler. We are back to 107K strong. Penn State also has a five-game winning streak um, carrying over from last year, um, one of the longest in the country right now. Um, probably outside of Alabama. Okay. Um, and I'm sure there's a couple other schools, but I can tell you who doesn't have a five-game losing, uh, five-game winning streak, and that is the Clemson Tigers. Yeah. Two-game losing streak. Ohio State and then Georgia. Yep. Yep. And just a field goal. DJU. How about that? Not quite what we expected. Good for them. That was – I'm happy that I picked Georgia. That was a that was tough good one pick. for me. That was a good pick. Uh, you went against Ryan and I, but – I love that UCLA pick that I made last week. That and, is a good one. And that, that sissy that, blue shirt. Sissy blue, that's right. <laughs> Ed, Eddie Orgeron. I tell you what, when they go play Ole Miss, you know what color jerseys Ole Miss is. Same colors they were last night. Yeah, that's right. The sissy blues. That's how we'll end it, folks. The Nittany Lions Sports Report. It's here on Bob Long Sports, housed on the Sports Stream Premium Network. He's Tyler Gellhouse. I am Bob Long saying so long, enjoy the football, and we'll see you early next week to preview the whiteout.